Well, Genesis 24, and I want to begin by reading one verse uh, this morning, verse 35. He said, And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he hath become great. And he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. I've been uh, preaching out of Genesis 24. I think it, it's a wonderful record about a wonderful father who has sent a wonderful servant into a far country to find a wonderful bride to bring back home to his wonderful son so there could be a wonderful wedding. It reminds us of the truth of Revelation 19, verse 7, For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. I believe that the Holy Spirit is in this world putting together a body, which is called a bride, that will be presented at the marriage supper to the Lord Jesus Christ, and there will be, thank God, a wedding in the sky. But when I thought about this wedding in Genesis 24, I thought about my own wedding, and then I thought about the many that I have performed. And I realize that there are several things that have to take place before you can have a wedding, and we've been noticing those several things. We've noticed that there are matching matters. We have to be introduced, and aren't you glad for the day, the occasion of when you were introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ? There are also mind matters. We must make up our mind. The songwriter said, My foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. And 30 years ago, I made up my mind that, that I was going to a wedding. I thank God that I am, aren't you? But there's another category that I want to look at this morning, and it's what I call money matters. Now, this is a very important matter. As a matter of fact, when uh, a young lady goes to tell her mother and father that she's in love and, and uh, she wants to marry, the first question is not, is he saved? Or does he go to church? You want to know, will he work? Does he have a job? Aren't we all concerned with that? We don't raise our daughters to turn them loose on some bum. Or we're not letting them get married so we can take on someone else and provide for them. We want someone who will take care of that bride. It's a very important thing in this in this thing of uh, marriage. Well, I think Abraham, in sending this servant into the far country, is well aware of the fact that he can't just let this servant show up with a bunch of empty promises saying, hey, if you'll just go with me, there is a country and everything will be wonderful and, and uh, you'll be happy. But he's got to be able to convince that young lady and convince her parents that if this girl will go, every need that she will ever have will be taken care of and be provided for. It's the truth of the Bible throughout the Scriptures, how that God encourages our hearts and lets us know and wants us to know that He is the provider for those who will follow Him. The Bible said He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask or think. Again, the Scripture said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. 
Paul said, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. David penned it when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus said again, I will never leave thee. He said, I can do all things. Again, he said, consider the lilies and consider the sparrows. And all of these verses are given to encourage our hearts to let us know that when we start this journey, we're not going to be vagabonds bumming along the way, but the Father has made sure that all provisions will be taken care of for his children. He'll take care of the money matters. Thank God. Now, there are three things that I want to point out to you this morning concerning how Abraham is able to reveal unto Rebekah that her needs will be taken care of. I notice three things. Let me point them out to you and then preach on them. I notice, first of all, the jewels that he sends. Uh, second of all, I notice the camels that he sends. And then thirdly, we're going to find a testimony of this truth even in the damsel, the girl that is found. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a very good outline, jewels, camels, and damsels. So maybe, maybe you would rather have it a different way. How about gifts? How about gifts, grace, and girls? That'll sound a little better. <laughs> I want you to notice with me, first of all, the jewels. Look in verse number uh, 22. The Bible said, And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands, of ten shekels weight of gold. And here we see the jewels or the gifts that are given to this young lady. And of course, we realize that gifts in the Bible always refer to the Holy Spirit because 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 said, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. The gifts that we have as children of God that were given to us when we were saved the callings that are placed upon us to preach or whatever they may be, they are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of these gifts of the Holy Spirit are several. I want to point them out. First of all, I think these gifts, these jewels that were given unto this damsel, verify that there is a bounty in another country. Now, the bracelets and the necklaces and the earrings, I'm sure that uh, they had signets on them, they had emblems on them or imprints, whatever you want to call it, like this young lady had never seen. And when she looked at all of this gold and all of this jewelry, no doubt she asked the question and probably others that saw it later and said, where in the world did this come from? We've never seen anything like this in this country. And the, the servant said, oh, you'll never find any of that in this world because all of this came from another world, a world where there is a father that has so much that he can send it here, a world in which there is a son which has inherited all that belongs to the father. 
And if you're thrilled over this little bit, let me tell you, if you'll come with me, I know where there's a whole lot. This is just a verification that there is a bountiful supply. But not only does it verify the bounty, but it identifies the bride. You see, the bride and only the bride is going to be wearing this stuff. That's what jewelry is all about. If you're married this morning, you've got a ring on. And what that ring says to every other gal is you're already married and spoken for and belong to somebody else. It was so when the father put the ring upon the hand of the son. It was so when Pharaoh put the ring upon Joseph. And it is so here in the Scripture. When she places or when he gives her this jewelry, I don't know if she realizes the fullness of it or not, But when he gives her this jewelry and she puts this jewelry on, what it's saying to all the other men in Mesopotamia is, don't touch because she's already spoken for. I'm taking her to another country. And I'm glad the gifts and callings of God set me apart in this world and let other folks know that I belong to somebody else. The Lord put His Spirit in me 30 years ago, a thunderous spirit of love for Him and a calling to preach the gospel. And as I go around this world, it speaks a message and testimony. I belong to the Father. I have been identified with another country by the gifts and the jewelries that is given to me. But not only does this uh, jewelry uh, verify the bounty and identify the bride, but it specifies the body. If you'll notice, he gave her a necklace. Now, you know what necklaces are for. They're to be worn around the neck. He gave her a bracelet. You know what bracelets are for. They're to be worn around the wrist. And, and the earrings are for the ears. And, of course, we're, you know, a lot of folks wear jewelry strange nowadays. But, uh, uh, of course, but, but this is the way it's supposed to be. The way it's supposed to be. And uh, it, it specified different parts of the body. One, one gift for this part of the body and one gift for that part of the body. And I don't have to preach this, you know that. That the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for different parts of the body. He has gifts for the eyes to be able to see and perceive. Gifts for the ears to be able to hear. And uh, he has gifts for the hands to be able to work. And gifts for the feet to be able to walk. And your gift's not my gift and my gift's not your gift. And we should never become jealous of one another over the gifts because the gifts specify the body, the different parts of the body. Some of us can sing. Some of us can preach. Some of us can testify. Some of us can be helpers. But whatever, you've got a gift and thank God for the gift that He has given you to specify. So many times we become jealous and I'll tell you, all preachers do, especially starting out, you'll see that preacher that's successful and you want to be, you can't help it, you want to be able to preach like him and so you try, you fail because you're doomed and destined to fail because God doesn't have that for you. He has one ability for you. You've got to find that mold and that vein and you uh, follow in that. But I'm glad the Holy Ghost has something for every part of the body. He's got something for you. He's got something for me. Thank God for the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad for them? There are the jewels that she's carrying every day. When they see that, they say, Man, where did you get all that? Oh, she said, I, that, that's, that come from another country, another world I heard about. And they tell me there's a whole lot more over there. And so there are the gifts of the Spirit, the, the jewels. But the second uh, thing that I want you to notice is uh, the camels. Or 
I've always, and you've preached it, every one of you preachers have preached that camels are a type of grace, and I've looked over them and looked over them, and I wanted to do something different, but I couldn't. Uh, they, to me, are only a type of grace. And the reason why they are is because I think about uh, the camels as burden bearers. They carry so much. And we think about the ship as a burden bearer of the waters, and we think about the donkey as the burden bearer of the mountains, and then we think about the camel as the burden bearer of the desert. And uh, as the Lord said unto the Apostle Paul when he was going through so much there, and uh, he said, my grace is what? Sufficient for thee. And what he was saying to Paul is, is, is Paul, if you'll just get on grace, grace will ride you through this circumstance. You don't have to fight it and struggle with it and try to do something about it. Grace will take you through. And uh, so it is with these camels. They're a type of grace because they are burden bearers. They carry the load. Now, three things I want to point out to you concerning uh, these camels as uh, a type of grace. And much of it you've already seen. But the first thing I notice in verse number 10 is what I call the abundance of grace. The abundance of grace. Uh, the songwriter said, Grace that is greater than all of my sin. Someone said, where sin did bounce once, grace did bounce twice. And I'm glad the grace of God is over and above all that we'll ever need. And if you look in verse number 10, the Bible said, And the servant took ten camels, and we're talking about grace, but he took ten camels of the camels of his master. Now I see in that, and that if he needed fifteen camels, he could have took fifteen. There would have been fifteen. If he'd have needed 20, there'd have been 20 there. If he'd have needed 30, there'd have been 30 there. He only took of the camels of his master. I'm glad it's so that the grace of God is so abundant that you can go and get the need that you, the supply that you need. And as soon as he gets finished supplying your need, I'll go and he'll supply my need. And down through the years, he has uh, supplied all of the needs of all of his children and none of his grace has ever been depleted. There's still as much grace there now as there was in the beginning. God's grace is sufficient and it is abundant. We see the abundance of His grace. But not only the abundance of His grace, we see what I call the ability of His grace. Now, I don't know a lot about camels. I've rode one, I've ridden one, but uh, uh, I've you know just read the encyclopedia like you have and understand a little about a little bit about grace, so I'll just throw these out to you and you know them. Uh, camels are good for what I call the water situation because uh, they are able to contain so much water, as much as uh, 15 gallons, to get them between the, uh, through the dry spells from oasis to the oasis. We can't do that. We're not equipped for it, and no other animal is that could carry the load, but uh, the camels are. And they're good for the dry spells. I'll tell you, when you get between the water holes and it gets real parched and real dry, the thing to do is just ride the camel because the camel knows where the water is and he'll go and he'll make it to the next water hole. He's good for the water situation. I'm talking about the dry spells in our lives. Not only that, he's equipped with the three-eyed lids and the tough hide and the nose holes that close because... Uh, he's, he's good for the wind situations, the high storms and the, and the wind that would blow and, uh, and that would blind you and I 
the camel can keep on moving through the storm because he's good for the wind situation. Now, you're not made for the storms of life. You can't stand them. That you'll collapse under it, you'll fold, you, you won't make it through. But I'll tell you, if you'll just ride grace when the winds are blowing, grace will make it through the storm, thank God. And I like these camels because they're good for the weight situation. They tell us that they can carry as much as a thousand pounds. But you see, what I like about the camel is if he carries his thousand pounds and you've got to get it up there, it's no good because I can't get a thousand pounds up there. But the camel has the knee pads as well as the pads on the feet and the camel will come down to where you are and then all you've got to do is lay over on the camel and the camel will take you up and then ride you through the heavy situations of life. I'm here to tell you, I can't carry the loads of life and I don't even know how to get them to God or anything else. But I'm glad the camel comes to me during the heavy times of life and I can just roll over on the camel and he'll take me up and take me to God. Thank God, I'm glad that it's that way. And then the, the camels are also good for the wilderness situation. They have a built-in radar system for direction. They know how to get back home. And I'm sure there are many times when Rebecca was riding that camel, she said to the servant, which way did you say is, uh, is Canaan? And he said, well, she said, well, I just can't, I can't ever keep my bearings straight. I know. He said, honey, don't worry about it. Just ride the camel. The camel will get you there because the camel never gets lost. It knows the way. I tell you, there's so many times, and, and, and I know that I, I know our church members think we know everything, but I'll tell you, talking preacher to preacher, we're the dumbest folks on the face of the earth. We really don't know what to do about the situations in our church. We don't know what to do about Sunday morning and preaching. We really don't know much about anything. The further along we go, the less we know. And if this thing lasts, we're really going to be dumb. But I'm telling you something. God knows the direction. Grace will get you there. The truth of the matter is, is we're just dependent upon the ability of grace for everything that we need. And thank God... We are. So we notice the abundance of grace, the ability of grace, but boy, I tell you, this jumped out at me in verse number 63. I, I want you to notice with me what I call the arrival of grace. Grace is going to get there. <laughs> I guarantee you, Abraham didn't send something there that would never make it back home. Grace will arrive. And all of those that's on grace is going to get there too, thank God. We're going to come riding in. On grace. Notice in verse 63, Isaac went out into meditating the field even time. He lifted up his eyes and he saw, Behold! Didn't say Rebecca was coming. Didn't even say the servant was coming. Said the camels were coming. <laughs> you know what that tells me, honey? With all your human effort and all your ability, there's no way you can ever make one step toward God. Grace is the only thing in this world that can ever move you toward God. Grace heads toward home. <laughs> Just get on grace and ride her out. She's a going home. <laughs> only got one direction. And I'm telling you, homes are looking for grace. He's looking for camels every day. <laughs> and grace will make it home, thank God. Let's, let's imagine just by some stretch of imagination that 
some other girl in Mesopotamia got in her mind that maybe she wanted to be the bride, and so she took out on her own and crossed the desert. Now, it'd be impossible, but somehow she did make it from one water hole to the other water hole, and somehow she found some kind of shelter, and, 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 she can't, and she, finally she made it to Isaac's tent. And she comes crawling in, and she's got blisters all over from the sun, and boy, she's parched, and it's white all over her mouth, and, and I'll tell you, hair's all to pieces, and, and she's breathing hard, and she's just barely made it, and, and she gets up to the tent, and she says, I made it. Isaac looks at her and says, Who are you? Oh, she said, I come from Mesopotamia. I just got here through the desert. Lots have never made it, and I come to marry you. He said, where's the camel? She said, it didn't come on camel. He said, you're not the one. <laughs> the only woman I'm going to marry is going to come riding camels. I don't want no woman coming here telling me how she made it, all of her great feats. And how to cross deserts? I want somebody that came in on grace. I want somebody to say thank you, honey, for sending jewels and for sending camels. I want to thank you for getting me here. <laughs> and when we get home, we're going to talk about how grace got us there. <laughs> Just lay back and relax and ride grace in. I promise your grace is going all right. Say, preacher, I'm finding it so hard, I don't think I'll make it. Just quit trying. Get on grace and ride her in. The arrival of grace. <laughs> huh? Through many dangers, tolls, and snares, I have already come. His grace that brought me safe this far and grace will get me home. <laughs> he knew what he was writing about. There's no effort that you can ever perform that will ever get you any closer to God. If you ever move in His direction, it's called grace. Take you there. Hmm? That's the... Arrival of grace. That's the jewels and that's the camel. And then there's the damsel. Somebody said, well, how is she talking about that country? She ain't never been there. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. <laughs> She ran in to the servant at the well and he told her some things that ruined her for that world. Her mind and heart become so consumed with another country. 
She just doesn't care much for where she's at anymore. She just turned her back on everything. It's as if she'd never lived there before. Never even had a past. No connections to that world. She's just going around talking about another world. Somebody said, Rebecca's gone crazy. She has. Notice in verse number 28, after she has spoken to the, to the servant, notice what she does. The Bible said, and the damsel ran <laughs> and told them of her mother's house these things. What things? What the servants told her. She's speaking of unseen things. She becomes a testimony in this world of the greatness of that world, and she's never even seen it. But hey, let's, let's, isn't that what we're doing this morning? I, I ain't never been here and said, well, how do you know all that? I just, I've heard about it. Speaking of unseen things. And honey, she's not casually doing it. The Bible said she ran. And you see her running back to that tent and, and running back to that family and she's saying, Daddy, Mama, there's another country. There's a father there that has everything and he's got a son that's inherited all and he wants me. <laughs> there where she went, she's talking of unseen things. Verse 58, she's sure of unseen things. You say, well, how do you know there's another country? Well, look at that girl. Man, she's obsessed with it. Again, they called Rebecca and said to her, wilt thou go with this man? She said, I will go. You're not going anywhere if you're not sure it's there. She's sure of it. Well, isn't it amazing how God, when he saves us, we just automatically begin to think about another world. We sing about it. The songwriters write the songs. Hundreds and thousands of them about another world. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. Heaven's jubilee. How beautiful heaven must be. Don't you know that's what she sang till she left? <laughs> Said, have you heard Rebecca lately? She ain't singing the, she ain't singing rock and country no more. She's singing, she calls it gospel. <laughs> In the sweet bye-bye. <laughs> when we all get to heaven where the soul of man never dies. My favorite is there is a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, I can see it afar. <laughs> the Father waits over the way <laughs> to prepare me a dwelling place there. She knew it was real. She testified of it. She said, that's a big place over there and I'm going. <laughs> There's plenty over there and I, that's, that's where I'm going. I'm glad we've got a Father that's able to take care of the needs, don't you? Several illustrations I could give here, but I thought about the, the little lady back in the mountains there that I have known over the years and knew that passed away. And uh, she 
didn't have much, lived up in a little old holler, but boy, how she trusted God and praised him. She had a child that was born with cerebral palsy, and she made one of the greatest statements I ever heard. She said, Preacher, uh, I don't want you to misunderstand this, but said, uh, if there had to be a little Margaret, Margaret was 35 years old, then said, if there had to be a little Margaret, she's never been able to talk or walk. She said, I'm glad Jesus gave her to me. Well, I fell in the paint bucket while I was painting the scene. I said to her, I said, the, Sister Marcel, how do you do this? She, would, she took care of her all those years by herself. Little old saint. Boy, you could feel God in that house. And there were times that I visited her home, and I kid you not, that I walked out of that place and I thought, Oh, devil, if you got to go in there, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> God is so real. And... Uh, I said, how do you take care of little Margaret like you do every day and, and all that you do? She said, he, she said, preacher, every morning I get up, I say, Jesus, help me take care of little Margaret today. And said he has for 35 years. We had a bad storm back in 1993. I mean, it was bad. And you may have had some of that snow down here. I, I, my parking lot is, was, that's the church where I live, was level. And I had a four-wheel drive, the same van that I've got now, and I, could, I couldn't get out of my driveway. That's how deep it was. She lived up that little holler on that gravel road there, and nobody could get anywhere, and the power in all those counties up there, everywhere, everywhere was off for three days and three nights. And I worried about her because I knew that she had to have power to run her uh, oil stove there and... and uh, <clears throat> Monitor stoves, what it's called, and and but I c- couldn't get my my telephone didn't work, and uh, so after it's all over with, I called her and I said, uh, Sister Marcel, how how did you make it during that storm? And she said, Well, preacher said we made it fine. Said you know my my brother-in-law said he uh, or, uh, my brother-in-law said he lives up above me up there and said you know what he told me? Said he said his power is off three days and two nights. And said, my brother lives down below me, and I know her brother, Lawrence, said, Lawrence told me his power was off three days and two nights. And said, Ernie called me and said his power, as her boy, was off three days and two nights, and said, preacher, my power never flickers. Isn't that amazing? Honey, Duke Power couldn't keep it going, but the Holy Ghost knew. If that little old lady's going to need juice for three days and two nights and kept her running, she acted like it was nothing. I mean, you know, she just, well, she said there's more of this on the other side. Just nothing. Aren't you glad we've got a father like that? He lets us know in this world that he's got everything taken care of. Thanks, God. He's got the money matters taken care of. 